Welcome to another episode of Your Sports Medicine Weekly Podcast. I'm Dr. Brian Cole, your host, and I have a fascinating episode today. We're going to be meeting with Josh James. Josh is a physical therapist with Rush PT, and most importantly, why I think he's relevant for this episode is that Josh is a recent former Division I basketball player, and having dealt with a number of basketball-related injuries on a pretty regular basis, both professional, collegiate, and even some of our adolescent athletes, I think hearing it from a physical therapist in terms of how they address these issues, which is a lot more important than I think my role is as a surgeon, um, to have his views on what he does on a, on a pretty regular basis to manage some of the most common things like patellar tendonitis and ankle sprains and so forth. So I look forward to having Josh today on our episode. But first, just a word from our sponsors. Sports Medicine Weekly is the sports enthusiast's resource for fitness, nutrition, injury prevention, and treatment. The Sports Medicine Weekly podcast is sponsored by JRF Ortho. JRF Ortho partners with orthopedic surgeons to improve the quality of life of patients by enabling them to have an active life through the generous gift of cartilage and ligament transplantation. Please go to jrfortho.org to learn more or sign up to be a tissue donor at donatelife.net. Rush Physical Therapy. The therapists at Rush Physical Therapy are here for you. With more than 60 locations throughout greater Chicagoland, Rush's clinical experts will get you back to life. Go to RushPT.com today to schedule an appointment. Not sure if physical therapy is right for you? Request a complimentary consultation and discover the power of Rush Physical Therapy today. Karen Malkin and Karen Malkin's new Protein Brownie Bar and Superfood Bars, the best tasting bars on the market. Certified gluten-free, paleo, and no added sugar. Karen's Protein Brownie Bars and Superfood Bars, available on Amazon and at KarenMalkin.com. So welcome back. And today's episode, as I said, for Sports Medicine Weekly is a visit with Josh James. Josh is a physical therapist with Rush PT. And Josh, as importantly, is a former Division I basketball player at Indiana Purdue University in Indianapolis. That's IUPUI. I think we call it IUPU, but Josh will correct me. And uh, just a little bit of background about you, Josh. I know uh, you received your doctorate of physical therapy from Washington University recently in 2020, so you haven't been out that long. And um, I know you are also a certified strength and conditioning specialist, which I think is also particularly relevant uh, as when we deal with these injuries. So welcome to this episode on Sports Medicine Weekly. And I wanted to talk to you a bit about... um, how your experience as a Division One basketball player plays into how you currently evaluate and treat patients who do play basketball and uh, have some of the most common problems that we see today with this sport. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, first, I just want to say thanks to you guys for having me on. I appreciate it. Um, I appreciate the opportunity to, you know, kind of go over some of the common basketball injuries here. So, um, yeah, I think my experience has helped me out um, in, in terms of treating it being that, you know, both of ankle sprains and jumpers, knee or patellar tendonitis, I've had both of those. And so, um, when I have, you know, a basketball player, whether that's college or an adolescent that comes to me with that, I have some experience in being that, um, I've dealt with it myself and that, uh, you know, I also know some like kind of good ideas to kind of get them going on the right path to, for recovery. Well, let's, let's start with that. So patella tendonitis is, uh, the common thing that we toss around for, you know, the semantics as it relates to uh, jumper's knee. So we can call it jumper's knee or patella tendonitis and, and things of that of that nature, right? So, um, you know, it's interesting. Patella tendonitis, and when, when, when the layperson hears the term itis or 
tendonitis, they think inflammation. And what's what's fascinating is that patellar tendonitis has nothing to do with inflammation at all. And the other uh, thing about jumper's knee or uh, patellar tendonitis is that it's um, a condition that almost never needs surgery. Now, I'll tell you, as a surgeon, um, I have operated, and I operate on, a, on a, unfortunately, a regular basis, but that's because maybe I see 100 people a year who have this problem, uh, and maybe 5 to 10 don't get well with your treatment. But the good news is 90% of the time when they come to you, uh, they do incredibly well, and we keep them out of the operating room, which is far more satisfying and gratifying than uh, having an operate. Because I'll tell you something, those who don't do well with therapy who need surgery, it still is only kind of a 75 percenter. So, you know, tell me a little bit about from your role, and you know, and I'm and I'm happy to share from sort of the biologic side, but I'm sure you have a really good understanding of what we might also call tendinopathy as it relates to the patella tendon. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, like you already kind of touched on uh, with the itis, meaning like inflammation. Um, we know now that inflammation isn't always present in the tendon. So, um, essentially, what's going on is, I mean, you can get the the tendon has a little bit more demand than it currently has the capacity for. So while you can have some inflammation, you are more likely getting like a tendinosis or like a structural breakdown of that tendon. Um, so in terms of rehab, I think the biggest thing first is you need to modify some activities. Now, if you have kids who are adolescents playing in travel tournaments, AAU tournaments to where they're playing anywhere, I mean, upwards of like three to six games a weekend, multiple practices a week, that can be kind of tough. But I think the biggest thing early on is you need to reduce some of that volume so we can kind of give that tendon a chance to catch up a little bit and uh, calm down a little. Yeah, it's interesting. When we see patients who have this problem, they have a very specific complaint. They often say that they have uh, pain at the inferior pole of the patella. Uh, that's the bottom corner of the patella. And um, they you, what I do is I displace the, pella, the, the patella distally further down, and you palpate or press there, and it hurts a lot. And it's the same location where they get pain when they're doing jumping activities. And oftentimes when we get an MRI, they actually have sort of what you implied, where there's this structural change in the tendon. And those are the ones that actually I think do the best with rehabilitation. Uh, Sometimes they have no findings whatsoever, and and that means we don't really have the biologic underpinnings of it uh, to cause the problem. But physical therapy remains, for me, you know, like you alluded to, activity modification. Especially in our younger athletes, we still are seeing the the ravages of the, the lack of, of, of diversification and multi- participation in multiple sports. And our single sport athletes, I still think, struggle the most. And one of the rules of thumb that we still use with activity modification is, you know, at least two months a year away from your sport. But I'll tell you, that's just not reality. It's not what we see. In fact, I had two kids this week, both of whom are, I think, they're young. They're, they were f- both 16 years old. They're in AAU basketball, but they also play in the school system, and they're playing two different organizations at the same time. And they're just not getting a break, and they just go from one season to the other. And I'm curious, in your experience, when you're dealing, especially with the younger athletes, how successful are you in actually getting them to dial it back so that they have some time for recovery and restoration? Yeah, no, it's definitely tough. I mean, just like you said, they go from one season to the next. So whether that's you know their school season into like the AAU season in the summer, and I think that the point that you touched on with like the sport specialization where people, um, kids are playing the same sport all year round and not really giving a chance to, um, you know, get away from those like same movements that they're doing over and over. So 
I think when I have a kid come in to rehab, the biggest thing is one, reducing the volume, but then you also want to kind of try to load that area as much as we can uh, progressively and then systematically over time. So changing one variable at a time to kind of drive some adaptation in that tendon um, and get them, get their tolerance to activity to improve. Um, I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the term that I like to use is this term called relative rest. Yes. And um, it's not rest and shut it down. And that's probably the worst thing you can do because active rehab and relative rest with activity modification is probably the best way to keep them loading. Like you say, our tissues actually like to be loaded, but they don't like to be overloaded. Um, I was at a, a conference for the NBA about a year ago. We had a speaker from Australia, and there's a lot of these uh, really knowledgeable sports scientists who come from the Australian educational system who are now actually some of the you know, the go-tos at various NBA teams, actually. And um, she mentioned a lot of research about how the calf and the, the musculature below the knee is particularly important for managing what goes on at the level of the knee. In, in your training, is that something that you've come across in terms of how we re- rehabilitate the gastroc, the soleus, those are our calf muscles, and flexibility um, as part of it, as well as the local treatment you do for the tendon itself? Yeah, definitely. Um, so, I mean, ankle mobility is huge as well. Um, so, I mean, with anyone with a knee problem, we're looking above and below the joint in question. But I think in particular, um, ankle strength as well as like gastroc soleus strength plays a big part in kind of that single limb loading and the amount of stress that's getting transferred up to the knee. So that's definitely part of it. And, you know, you want obviously want to look at the entire person and the whole kind of kinetic chain, if you will, um, as opposed to, you know, we're just treating a knee, right? If I were a patient who was prescribed therapy and I was going to rush PT and I saw you and I, I write these prescriptions all the time, uh, and they're often for, you know, four to six weeks of a pretty dedicated rehabilitation program. Mm -hmm. Just give me a a thumbnail of what it would look like. Yeah. So, um, obviously, I mean, it differs patient to patient, but I would look, you want to look above and below the knee. So I would say commonly you see that people's, uh, their ankles are usually a little bit more stiff, which is, you know, more stress at the knee. And then hips might be a little bit more stiff. Hips might be a little bit weak as well. Um, I think a good place to start in terms of tendon rehab while looking at the joint is some isometrics because they're really well tolerated and they can actually provide like a little bit of an analgesic effect as well. So for someone coming to me, I would say uh, I would start with about maybe three to five sets of about 30 to 60 seconds of something as simple as like a wall sit to where we're loading that area and, you know, we're not doing any type of like plyometric movements or anything yet. What about uh, core strengthening in terms of upstream? What Tell me a little bit about what you do with the hips. Yeah, definitely. So um, definitely working on hip strength, core strength, as well as looking at like landing mechanics, all of that can play a factor too. So, um, I mean, if someone can have, you know, the strength, but if they don't have the coordination and the neuromuscular control on, if it's basketball, you know, grabbing a rebound, then it's not going to serve them that well. So definitely looking upstream for sure at hip strength, core strength. Um, and, yeah. and, and what about modalities? In other words, ultrasound and uh, maybe even blood flow restriction and some of those things. What are some of the other things that, you know, you've had success in treating patella tendinosis? Yeah, um, I definitely am a big fan of the blood flow restriction in terms of uh, 
not having to put as much mechanical stress on the joint, but also uh, still getting like that metabolic response from the resistance exercise. So I'm a big fan of that. Um, I have done some dry needling as well, which can yield some positive effects too. Um, I will say that I definitely keep that in kind of my back pocket um, in case someone really hasn't, you know, progressed as we want within the first few weeks of rehab. Got it. And I will tell you that one of the other things that we do um, to prevent surgery is we use platelet-rich plasma. And I'm sure you've had some patients that we've treated uh, that have undergone PRP or platelet-rich plasma therapy. And platelet-rich plasma is, uh, is, has been investigated in the literature and compared to other uh, injections and in even placebo like saline and so forth. And uh, PRP is a concentration of your platelets that we draw about 15 cc's of blood, just like a standard blood draw. We spin it down in a centrifuge, and you get about you know five cc's of of a concentrated uh, uh, solution of mostly platelets. And in the platelets are these important growth factors that can promote healing. And I don't like to say there's regeneration necessarily, but there's growth factors that inhibit inflammation, promote a healing response at the level of the tendon, and we can't use cortisone in this setting. We use cortisone for lots of other uh, uh, ailments, but this is one where you would not want to inject cortisone at the origin of a tendon next to the bone because there's a risk of actually tendon rupture. So that's something we've uh, really stayed away from. So if any of our listeners to this episode um, um, are offered cortisone from anyone as it relates to a tendon that's attached to a bone, that's something you want to steer clear of. But PRP has been shown to be very, very safe in this application, and it's offered us one one more treatment in our armamentarium that's not particularly invasive, but it's certainly more than doing nothing in terms of uh, upregulating the environment. So, you know, I think in summary, patella tendonitis or patella tendinosis is a really common condition. It's otherwise known as jumper's knee. I think we've seen it in athletes who are just exposed to too much volume in their workloads. Uh, we uh, we've treated it effectively with uh, people like uh, you, Josh, who have. Um, uh, experience with this. And uh, the great thing about you I love is the fact that you did play Division One basketball. I know you were plagued with these conditions. And the combination of physical therapy, load uh, modification, not elimination, so load management, and um, uh, modalities, including blood flow restriction and so forth, and then occasionally play the rich plasma. I'll tell you, if, if you and I were together to do this, we probably would be successful 85% of the time. It's the 15% that fall, maybe 10% that fall through that ultimately need more than that. But um, I can tell you that my job is just to get the diagnosis and get them to you, and your job is just to get them better back on the court again. So I can tell you that uh, our, our patients appreciate everything that you do in that regard. Yeah, absolutely. No, I think you touched on all the points there for sure. Well, thank you. And that's uh, another episode of Sports Medicine Weekly. Uh, come visit our podcast at all the places that you listen to your podcasts, uh, including Spotify and Apple. And uh, I think it's important for our, our listeners to know that the net proceeds for Sports Medicine Weekly go to support orthopedic research at Rush. And check out our blog and uh, sign up for our blog by just entering your email on our website, sportsmedicineweekly.com, uh, so that you can get regular updates on all things sports, sports injury, recovery, and nutrition. So uh, thank you for listening, and uh, have a great day, and uh, stay injury-free. If you enjoyed today's episode, please find us on social media, including Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, or visit us at sportsmedicineweekly.com. Remember, all net proceeds go to support research at Rush University Medical Center and the Department of Orthopedics. The Sports Medicine Weekly podcast is sponsored by Vericell. 
Vericell develops, manufactures, and markets autologous cell-based therapies for patients with serious diseases and conditions. For more information about their products, visit www.vcell.com. That's V-C-E-L.com. Midwest Orthopedics at Rush. To be your best, you start with best practices. Eat better, grow stronger, reach higher. At Midwest Orthopedics at Rush, their work is what best practices are built upon. They're a team of leading physicians with the highest level of experience and training, prolific researchers delivering pioneering breakthroughs, orthopedic experts that other orthopedic specialists and their patients come to when they need individualized care. Get it done right the first time at Midwest Orthopedics at Rush. Visit rushortho.com slash the best to learn more.